Weekly Lost Podcast, episode number 97. We can't transmit because something else is already transmitting somewhere close. The signal's strong. Plane, how would what kind even... of transmission is it? could be a sat phone, maybe a radio signal. Can we listen to it? Let me get the frequency first. Hold on. Welcome to the weekly Lost Edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Now, here are your hosts, Stephanie and Cliff. Okay, well, not exactly Stephanie and Cliff. It is indeed, this is Cliff Ravenscraft. And today I am being joined by a wonderful friend of myself and Stephanie, and his name is Chef Mark Tafoya. From Hello, brother. Hey, what's up, brother? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mark, I'm glad to have you with us once again as a co-host of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Well, I'm so excited to be here. You know, I just, I, I love your shows and I love participating. So, you know, getting to sort of be a co-host is, is makes it even more fun. Very cool. So tonight we're going to be talking about, uh, actually, we're going to do a full review. Um, what episode is this? Episode Lost Season 3, 17. Catch. But it's Catch-22. So that's where you get confused. 17, 22, neither of them, well, one of them is no, one of the numbers. <laughs> No, no, one of them isn't one of the numbers. Oh, God, I'm so confused. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So we are so excited about this episode. It was very good. I've heard some people say, well, I like this better than the other Desmond episode or the other flashback, the most recent flashback we had. And uh, there are a lot of... uh, I haven't heard any negative remarks regarding this episode, and, and I don't think there's any reason why there should be, but... Certainly, we'll open up the listener line and allow anybody that wants to share any thoughts that they have during this episode. Uh, all they need to do is hit the request to talk button. And the reason that they're able to do that is because this is be- being recorded live in front of an internet audience at talkshoe.com. And we do this every Friday night following new episodes of Lost. And if you want to learn how you can participate with us live in this podcast as it's being recorded, simply jot, jot, joint, jot, jaunt. How about jaunt right over to gspn.tv slash live. Have you ever head heard on of, over now, y'all. Head on over. Hey, have you ever heard of the term jaunt before? To jaunt, well, uh, a jaunt is, like, yeah, like a jump. Okay, is that is that literally what the definition is then? I think so. Because yeah. I, I used to watch uh, 19, 19, late 70s, early, no, it was, no it's, I'm sorry, it was the early 70s, British science fiction television show made for kids called uh, The Tomorrow People. And, oh, yeah, and yeah, had, I heard about that. And they had this ability, they had uh, uh, telekinesis abilities, and they had this ability to dematerialize and rematerialize in other places, and they always called it, uh, well, X-Force 11, uh, Jeff Gentry saying they called it, it, it's teleporting, but they called it jaunting. So Okay, yeah, well, that makes sense, because it's like a jump. So, yeah, exactly. So, jaunt right over to gspn.tv slash live. So, yeah, uh, or vibrate through the walls. Or what? Or vibrate through the walls. Oh, okay. That, <laughs> as, can... as would the flash. <laughs> Ah, okay. <laughs> See, I'm jumping right in. <laughs> uh, to, and I can tell X Force Eleven used to watch the ta- uh, the uh, Tomorrow People because he says they they did their jaunting with the help of Tim, which is absolutely correct. So, uh, right and just so you know, Jeff Gentry, you can go and uh, download BitTorrents of the old uh, Tomorrow People. And so, anyway, moving right along, we're here to talk about Lost. And that's what we're going to do. And Mark, I want to start off with a little character analysis. What do you think about that? 
That's great. Yeah, that's uh, you know I'm always up for character analysis. That's my one of my favorite uh, aspects of of uh, the show. Cool. Well, let's uh, go ahead and let Rem take us right into that. Lost character analysis. Okay, so Mark, I have an audio clip, and I'm just going to go ahead and play it for us, and then want to just get your feedback on what you think about this. Radio. You know, I tried to run away from her, and she she tracked me down. With enough money and determination, you can find anyone. She said. You know, I used to get through my nights thinking that she actually meant it, that she never gave up. Then maybe she spent the last three years looking for me. What do you think about that, Mark? I, you know, when I, of course, I, they've they've done this really well. This whole storyline between Penny and Desmond, I think, has been written and performed in probably the opposite way that they've done the whole Jake, Kate, Jack stuff. It's not schmaltzy at all. It's really authentic and genuine, and you know, you feel it. Like when <laughs> when I see Penny and Desmond on the screen together, in the moment when when uh, he met her there at the uh, at the monastery, I, you know, I, little tears were sort of coming to my eyes. It was like I can really believe that 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 uh, this is this is something where yeah, she isn't going to give up, and she hasn't given up. Um, Absolutely, and and I that's that's why I and I had shared this earlier on, actually right after the last Desmond centric flashback, that my my favorite relationship on the island, especially as far as um, romantically is is concerned, is this Desmond and Penelope, and how um, they come from two different backgrounds, but yet they come together and and they really have this genuine love for one another. And they and what's what gets me is the fact that they both want what's best for each other, and Desmond unfortunately doesn't believe that that's himself. But well, and yeah, the interesting thing there is that that's that's one of these things where I mean the whole all of the torture and the torment comes from Desmond not uh, not really allowing himself the grace of being loved by her. Um, I mean, because that's really what you know when you when you comes down to it that's really what love is right it's allowing yourself the grace to be loved and for Penelope that's not a question I mean she's just it's you see there's not like she's not trying to convince him or herself of anything she just is in love with him and that's that you know and there's just certain things that that arise from that so if the person that you love is missing well you look for him as simple as that (laughs) you know it doesn't feel like it's torturous for her to uh, to pursue him because she's not really even pursuing him she's just you're sort of claiming him back. Right. Now, of course, the tragedy there being that he's missing and she hasn't found him. And so far, we don't know what's up with her. Well, I wonder what happened, though. I mean, because I was like, okay, I was really looking forward to seeing some more in the in the actual flashbacks, some more information about Desmond and Penelope, which obviously we got to see how they met, which I, I really enjoyed seeing that unfold. But... I was completely thrown back to find out that he had a six-year relationship with another woman that he was engaged to. Yeah, and interesting enough that uh, isn't that she's got a biblical name. You know, you guys got to watch out for this, these biblical references or biblical names, especially in this episode. But her name is Ruth, wasn't it? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I don't know if there's any real connection there with, you know, with the Book of Ruth or anything, but <laughs> just always, you know, piques my interest when I hear uh, some kind of biblical name on the show. They're scattered all throughout this episode or through this uh, show, and uh, you you just can't deny that. But one of, I mean, that just it's like it's it seems to me that that relationship simply was not resolved. You know, I I know he went back. He explained, you know, why he left and. And stuff like that, but it's it seems to me that once he learned that his calling wasn't to be in, in the monastery, uh, that you know that he would just up and leave and not pursue that relationship. But then again, he did meet Penny right away, and and that kind of. But well, I mean, right it's afterwards. not just that. I think he has he clearly has commitment issues. He has he has issues about being where he is. You know, it, if you notice, he's he's never content where he is. He's never sort of. Um, really just with himself he's always sort of itching to go somewhere else or do something else um and i I think it's just it's very clear that yeah he would he is the kind of person who would stay in a relationship for six years that maybe he's not so happy with um and then one day just sort of do something crazy like join a monastery (laughs) right well jeff gentry's on the line and i'm not sure if he wants to come in on this or if it's ruth that he the name ruth uh jeff you're on the line what do you want to add to the conversation tonight well, just to kind of jump off what Mark was saying, my question was when I watched this episode, and maybe we'll probably have to wait till season three to see it, but what happened in Desmond's past that caused him to be a coward and have these commitment issues? What, you know, is it daddy issues? What, what's the deal? Have we, am I just missing <laughs> Well, that's, pro- that's that, probably likely given this show. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just kind of funny, you know, the, the two flashbacks and, and seeing his, his running and, and trying different things out, the military and, and trying um, the monastery and just sail around the world and all these things he's tried out. But, you know, what is causing this lack of commitment? That's just a question to throw out there for later. Right. That, that's a good point. And, and you know, we've seen the daddy issues uh, that has been the recurring theme throughout most of the characters on the island, and it would seem that that it's very possible that there's heavily it's heavily indicated that that perhaps uh, Desmond is also suffering from some of those daddy issues. Uh, but Desmond's one of those people where so far to this date we have not really seen anything to do with his parents. Yeah, I think that's well. I mean. I don't know that it's unusual, but certainly uh, a lot of the other main characters, we have little by little gotten glimpse of what their family life is, but there's been no mention at all of his family. So there, that, that could be something uh, unusual in his past that they're, uh, they're going to reveal that might actually bring all of this stuff together. Um, you know, and, and, of course, someone who is uh, afraid of commitment and, and having issues uh, where he calls himself a coward, although it, it's an interesting topic of discussion for later, maybe. Is Desmond really a coward, or is he hiding behind, <laughs> pardon the pun, is he hiding behind that excuse? Um, but certainly someone who maybe was orphaned or who had uh, other kind of uh, parental issues, uh, that, that would be that would explain a lot. Absolutely. Um, another thing I want to talk about, moving into you know Desmond, they he when he joined the abbey 
there, you know, he seemed to be quite excited. And I don't want to really get into the mystery surrounding the discussion of the Abbey and the and and what was his name, uh, brother? Hold on, I, brother Campbell. Yeah, brother Campbell. I don't really want to get into any of the mystery discussion just yet, but I do want to talk about something that brother Campbell said when uh, he kind of told Desmond, "This isn't the place for you." <laughs> So to start that off, I, I want to play the clip, and I want to I want to briefly uh, highlight a couple things that he said, and just some thoughts that I had regarding it. God tests our faith in many ways. So, as you well know, we have our own test here. A vow of silence that lasts as long as we see fit. This challenges both one's patience and his faith. For some, it may last a week. Those were less sure about a month. Personally, Desmond, I never thought you'd last. And so- okay, so I'm going to stop that right now because I just realized that I played the wrong clip, and this is actually the clip I wanted to play. Are, are you firing me? I am indeed. You can't do that. I heard the call. I'm sure you did hear the call. But the Abbey clearly isn't where you were meant to end up. I have little doubt that God has different plans than you being a monk, Desmond. Bigger plans. Oh, I sure he does. He does. You just spent too much time running away to realize what you may be running toward. Hey. What am I supposed to do now? Whatever comes next. Okay. And and bear with me, Mark, as as I discuss my own personal faith and and my own personal beliefs on uh, the the calling of God and and God's will for our lives and how we discern it. Okay. Would, would you would you and uh, allow me to just share some some thoughts of my own experience and my own personal opinions? And, and well, of course. And and what I'm going to allow I'm I'm going to ask people to do is to realize that that I am not speaking on this with authority, and I won't give you any biblical. Uh, um, references to support my thoughts because I don't really have any. But this is this is something that I think that that there are themes that that certainly go along with the Christian faith that that kind of have supported my my thoughts in this area. In in the past in my ministry that I've I've been involved in, a lot of people who have uh, had decisions to make, such as a possible job offer in another city after they've lived here for the last, you know, eight years and families here, but not down there, but more money's down there. And, and, uh, basically, um, we, you know, we're struggling financially here, hardly making the bills. You know, what do I do? It's like, and, and so many times I've had people say, you know, I'm just praying for God's will, you know, to give me a sign, and there are a couple things that I want to point out from what Brother Campbell said and how the writers wrote this in. And I think that there is some truth to this that I really want to emphasize. One, he says, you know, Desmond says, you know, I, 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 I felt I heard the call and, and I, I've been called. And, and Brother Campbell says, you know, I'm sure you did hear the call. And see, that's the thing. There is this calling in life. And I believe that calling is to do, um, to, to follow the commands that are clearly set out 
in Scripture for all all believers, not necessarily any one individual, but it's the command to love others. It's the command to be a good steward of all your resources. It's a command to help the poor and the widows and the orphans. It's a command to do, you know, to, to work with all your might at anything you put your hand to, work as if you were working unto the Lord himself. I mean, these are all the things that are God's will. And and we and so we we all need to hear and listen for that call in our life, and then there's this question of does God have plans? And and of course I can point you to Jeremiah thirty three three, which I believe says, um, I have a plan, I have a hopes and a plan for you in your future to prosper you. And so there are bigger plans out there there that that we don't necessarily see. But then Desmond asked this question, what am I supposed to do? And I love that question because that's the question. (laughs) That's the question. What am I supposed to do? Should I stay here? Should I take this job? God, open a door or close a door? These are the questions people ask. And I tell you, there is so much wisdom in the answer, whatever comes next. That's what you do. Whatever comes next, it's not as clear as black and white. This is, you know, God has certainly in Scripture given certain individuals detailed instructions on what you are to do. But for a a majority of all people in Scripture, and and, and in my experience in the Christian uh, walk that I've been involved in, is that it's not always clear steps of this is where you go, step three, four, and five. Well, and God doesn't always tell you, okay, go up to that mountain and sacrifice your son for me. <laughs> exactly. And and luckily, luckily he doesn't do that. Uh, but the thing is, is where I'm going with this, is that I always tell people, you know, the decision is yours. The decision is yours whether you stay here or whether you move to this other state to take this job opportunity. And I don't think that either one of those decisions are the right or the wrong. It's the one that you choose with what you feel is right in your heart. Um, and well, I, if I might add on that too, I think that it's what's interesting about this discussion is that it's it's applicable uh, in a context of faith and also outside of that same context of faith. I mean, um, you can you can take from the discussion even in a in a non-religious sense they're really i think everyone sort of i mean uh uh someone even just wrote that in the uh in the chat room you know i think we all we all asked that uh uh you know where do i fit alaska brad asked that and i think it, it's it's true that we that's sort of one of those existential questions and as you say the answer you know whatever comes next is sort of it's profound because of its simplicity but also its grand openness because we don't necessarily know what comes next it's just sort of you know put your feet in front of you and take life as it comes um and that's and that's it and and you have the important thing is that you move forward is is one thing and so when i've when i've had people ask me this question in the past the counsel that i've always given is is not necessarily as 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 wise sounding as as what brother campbell said but necessarily uh, this is what i've said i said you know whether you stay here do god's will staying here if you decide to move do god's will there it, it doesn't matter which decision you make as long as you feel that you have the ability to do what it is that god's morally asked you to carry out in your life and so if if you can be the husband that you you feel like you're called to be the the father that you're called to be if you feel like you can do that better there then go and do it but you know what? Maybe it 
turns out that that doesn't work out? Does that mean that that's God, you know, I didn't clearly discern God's will, specific will for my life? It's like, no, it means that, well, that didn't quite work out the way that you thought it would. Now, now what do you do? You take the next step forward. It's never, it's never a step backwards. It, it, you don't. Yeah. It's like, oh well, let me step back and go back to where I was. It's like, no, the next step forward may to go, maybe to go back and live where your family is. That that could, but that's a step forward. It's not a step back. You've learned something. You've 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 ventured out. And I will say that it's sometimes, you know, it, it it's just good to get out and go into the unknown. Well, I mean, in a literal sense, there is no step backward because you literally can't go into the past. You know, right. you 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 you're always going into the future. So it might be you might be doing the same thing. You you know, a similar thing that you did ten years ago, but it, the context is going to be completely different. And I, I was actually grinning a, a lot during this conversation, and of course during the show originally with this whole you know what am I supposed to do now? Because I mean, supposed to is this recurring thing we keep hearing in the show. You know, what am I supposed to do now? Uh, Desmond said during this episode, this isn't what was supposed to happen. Locke says, this isn't what was supposed to happen. And we hear it every week in your, um, in your bumpers there. Um, it's, a, it's a theme that we hear a lot in this show, this sort of this notion of what is supposed to happen. Absolutely. And, and even beyond that, and you had, you had alluded to this, I want to play even another theme. And this one is, is definitely uh, in religious in nature. There, there's no hiding the, the, the intent of the writers to bring in yet another religious illustration. But listen to this. You shouted, Doc. You knew. Even before we set off. You knew all this time, didn't you? Aye. Well, then why didn't you say anything? Because if I told you the truth, you wouldn't have come. Well, you needed me to come. Because I was part of your vision. You thought the only way you could get your girl back was if I took an arrow in the head. You're going to sacrifice me. The flashes don't happen exactly how I saw them. The picture changes. I was supposed to let you die, Charlie. What's that supposed to mean? It means it's bloody pointless. I keep saving your life. And what good has it done? It's just going to keep happening again and again. Maybe that's the point, eh? Maybe it's a test. Test? My God, testing Abraham. Except that failed. Because I changed what I saw. Okay, Mark, Stephanie and I had a debate over whether or not uh, Desmond <laughs> was going to jump in front of the arrow or not. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm laughing because it's sort of like it, it doesn't matter really uh, <laughs> whether or not he was going to or what. I mean, all, all that. I mean, I think what's interesting is that he chose what he chose. You yes. know, again, given this whole, you know, what do I, what am I supposed to do now? Well, whatever comes next. He was clearly intending to to follow a certain path, yet he ended up choosing the path that he chose right you know whether whether we will say that he was that he was destined to or whether god pushed his hand or whether you know whatever he he chose what he chose here here's what i i got out of this this scene and and through this audio clip um charlie even says you were going to sacrifice me and i really believe that that was initially desmond's intent because his in his flashes and correct me if i'm wrong but in his flashes he ends up finding penelope see i never actually saw images of penelope in the flashes um 
I just sort of gather that he fig- he somehow knows that this thing and this parachuting thing is connected to Penelope. Therefore, he has to let the story unroll the way he saw it. Well, um, but right. correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. If whether there were some tiny flashes in there of people with HD sets, you know, fro- freeze framed them or something. I, I'm going to open that up to our chat room to ask them because unfortunately, with with me setting up some new computer uh, equipment here, I was not able to go and look for that. But I've heard some people say that sent me emails and uh, in a couple of voicemails that somebody said that they thought they saw. Penelope in the original flashback, and and here's the wording that kind of intends or leans me to bl- to believe that that was there. And of course, we'll find it. Time will tell. Somebody will call in and tell us if we were wrong. But anyway, here's the here's what this clip says. You were going to sacrifice me, and he said, and and um, I was supposed to let you die, Charlie. So in his flash, it was almost as if, well, obviously we saw Charlie die. And so, therefore, it seems to me as it, the story that's being told, and I and I, this is my own opinion on it, is that Charlie takes the the arrow in the throat and he dies, and as a result of those unchanged events, as they were unfolded behind as a flash behind um, uh, before his eyes, then he would it would have directly led to him seeing Penelope, but because. He failed the test. He was not willing to sacrifice Charlie. Then the island, or whatever is this mistress, mysterious force behind what's going on in the island, and the fact that Mrs. Uh, Hawkins says, you know, hey, um, you were you were supposed to push this button and, or turn the key and, and all these other things. He says, maybe it's a test, like God tested Abraham. That's saying to me that, listen, I was supposed to sacrifice you, Charlie, so that I could get the promise. And, he and said, I wonder if if this is uh, that's Desmond's psychology, his his loneliness, his um, guilt, um, putting that idea into his own brain. That the flash he's now seen before he's just seen the flash as these flashes. Now, of course, with all of the parallels to the story of Abraham in the Bible, you know, in the Bible, God tells Abraham to do this. So maybe Desmond is interpreting that. Hey, this is. You know whether he's saying it's God or these forces are telling me that th- I've got to sort of make this happen. Don't you think it's interesting too how they take two two people with them in the story in the Bible? Um, Abraham took Isaac and two of his young men, like two of his helpers, with him on the journey. And he, of course, he helped. He asked the two helpers to to wait down while he w- went to the top of the mountain to pray with Isaac, um, and that was his intention was to go through with it there. Um, so isn't it interesting how they set it up with uh, with those parallels with two additional uh, people on the journey? Absolutely, and and, and the last the last little bit of that, um, he said, you know, uh, let's see here. He says it was is it except I he says like God tested Abraham except I failed, uh, and he says because I changed what I saw, and, and I you know I I'm thinking is he saying is is he saying I ended up finding somebody other than Penelope because I saved your life. I wasn't willing to sacrifice you. Well, it's funny because I don't, I, I don't see it as so clear-cut as, oh, well, I have to sacrifice Charlie for that. It's that his, obviously, his, he feels a duty to, to do his best to protect Charlie. I mean, it's clear that this is a, a good person who doesn't want to see harm come to other people but it's that question of of you know do to get what i want 
you know, can I let something, it's not like he was making it happen, but it's like, can I, do, can I, do I let something happen bad to someone else in order to get what I want? And it's clear, of course, that the answer at that last millisecond was no. It's that he couldn't, he, he couldn't bear to live with himself if he were to let Charlie die just for the, you know, for the sake of maybe fulfilling this prophecy that he'd seen. Right. Now, I just want to let the folks in the chat room know that I just realized that my chat was frozen up and I've uh, actually signed out and signed back in to talk to you. And Bigo, I just now realized that you had requested to talk a while back. So what do you got to add to the conversation? <laughs> That's fine. Um, well, I had requested back when you were talking about um, uh, the, the monk and getting fired and all that. Uh-huh. Um, I had a bit of a different reaction to that than than you did. It sounds like, and and I'm not at all disagreeing with um, with the you know theological aspects of of what you're saying about finding your path and and those kind of things. But it just it struck me as odd in the episode the way that the monk handled that because you have you have Desmond here who's you know seems to be an honest seeker of truth and whatnot, trying to find his way. He's done everything. You know, he's been faithful to, I don't even know what faith that was, but he's been faithful to it and, you know, did the vow of silence, did everything. And then one day something from his past that's out of his control shows up and, you know, and the guy hits him. And then all of a sudden he gets fired. He, you know, it, it seems like, it seems like he, was, he was there doing what he was supposed to do. And I don't, it's hard for me to believe that any, that any real monk would say, oh, this guy has has issues from his past and he obviously doesn't belong here that just doesn't seem, seem I, I think correct. it had, I think it had more to do with him getting drunk on the wine but actually it's interesting what you bring up ago because I thought to myself and I, I actually thought that wasn't it interesting how the brothers just sit there and do nothing when this guy comes and punches him out um, yeah that, it, that it, was sort of a strange thing and that I, that the way he acted and then of course the 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 picture in the in the frame I guess what you're hinting at is that is it possible that there's something nefarious going on that maybe like maybe the, the right. well, see, monastery when, is a front for something that Widmore is doing who knows when, when you combine all of that with um, with the picture of uh, Ms. Hawking in in the photo frame that just really makes me think that this was all contrived like maybe the the monks or somebody you know in on whatever they're doing went and tipped that you know, his ex-fiance's brother off that he was there, you know, so that he knew where to come and find him and then just use that as an excuse to get rid of him. And uh, again, and if, and if they're wrapped up into this whole time travel thing, Ms. Ms. Hawking obviously knew what he, what, at least what, what she thought that he, Desmond had to do, what his destiny was. And um, so if, if, they, if, if it's their job to make sure that he does it, then they could have easily, you know, the whole reason that he could have been brought to this monastery was so that he could meet Penny. Oh, you know, so there they was a course sure correction, that, so to speak. Right. They made sure that Penny was the one, um, you know, they, they did whatever it was that they did to Desmond to get him to break up with his ex-wife, and then they made sure that Penny was the one to uh, come and pick up the wine so that they would meet. Well, well I'll tell you what, Big O. It's an interesting theory. 
we're gonna we actually are going to talk more about that in just a moment in the exploring the mystery, which we're just about to. But Mark, before we get into exploring the mystery, because there there is going to be some in- interesting discussion on this one, uh, and and Bigos already opened that can, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in there. Uh, but I do want to talk about one last character analysis thing, and that is the fact that Clay Kate clearly has not oh, chosen yeah. Sawyer. She has not chosen Sawyer. I mean, sure, she she went and did some horrible things, but she is using Sawyer. Why'd you jump me last night? What? Was it because you saw the doc hanging out with Juliet? It is not like that. It's not. You ain't got to use me, Freckles. All you got to do is ask. You know, there's there's nothing like misplaced anger, revenge, sex uh, had through tears. You know, <laughs> did did you, did you see? Did you hear us talk about how that ties in directly with uh, uh, Derek and Addison from Grey's Anatomy? Yes, exactly. It, yeah, I, I, I was like, was I was watching the same scene, <laughs> just different actors. Yeah, and what you didn't play was the part where where he says, "Are you crying?" She says, "You know, shut up or whatever." Yeah, know? no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait a minute, you're crying. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's definitely a chick thing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so so obviously, Kate still has very strong feelings for uh, Jack, and I, that's pretty much all I want to say there. I'm just glad that it's not Sawyer. I, I'm not necessarily rooting for her and Jack together, but I'm just glad it's not Sawyer. Well, it's it's clearly though it, it's continuing with the theme of this really twisted uh, triangle, uh, and how it's just it's just not working out. Like these are three characters who constantly choose poorly. They choose stuff that's against what they really want, and they sort of make you know they 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 live in these self fulfilling prophecies. You know. <laughs> right. Well, I tell you what we're gonna do is uh, we are going to play a couple clips back to back here and then this this all will lead us into our um exploring the mystery hey where's the wire did you eat those mushrooms jack warned us about listen to me there's a wire a cable buried in the sand do you know what i'm talking about this is future grand isn't it the cable do you know where it is this is important. Why? Superman! Because someone's coming. We're lost on an island, running from boars and monsters. Freaking polar bears. Freaking polar bears. I looked into the eye of this island, and what I saw was beautiful. Lost. Exploring the mystery. It's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team team to see. And if you know know your history, Brother Desmond, what are you doing? Well, I believe him. Getting pissed on a lovely wine. <laughs> Hi Cliff, it's Mark here. Uh, just a couple of comments about the most recent episode of Lost. The um, the song that Desmond was singing as he was getting drunk on the wine in the monastery. 
is the sort of official or maybe unofficial song of Glasgow Celtic Football Club. There was a, a reference made earlier to his, uh, by his ex fiance when she said something like, you know, a religious experience was seeing Celtic win the cup. There was further evidence of him being a Glasgow Celtic supporter when he was singing that song, a grand old team to play for. And another thing that I noticed was on the the sort of padre that the the boss monk, the head monk on his desk, there was a photograph and it was a really bad Photoshop job. Um, I don't know what sort of props department person produced that, but it was a photograph of him and um, Mrs. Clue from the shop where Desmond buys Penny's engagement ring. This is hard. Easter close. egg there. I thought though I would. Um, if, if you'll allow me to share my theory on the whole series and how it's going to end. Okay, I think we'll let you do that, Mark. The vision that Locke had back at the start of season three when he was in the sweat box and he, he visualised back himself back at the airport terminal and he could see all the various losties and others in various different roles at the airport terminal and Desmond was the pilot. Now that could be quite symbolic and that Desmond could be the one to fly them, metaphorically speaking, off the island and this is how I think he'll do that I think he's going to have a, continue to have flashes where he'll travel back in time and the pivotal point in his life is when he is going to propose to Penny now we know that he doesn't propose to Penny and um, Mrs Clue tells him that he isn't going to propose to her Hawking. so she puts a bit of pressure on him we know that he doesn't <laughs> propose and he tries to prove himself to her father and the way he does that, of course, is by getting on the yacht, going in that race, which sees him ending up on the island and entering the numbers into the computer. And remember that one time he doesn't enter the numbers into the computer? It seems to bring the plane down. Now, if Desmond was to go back to when he's going to propose to Penny and he goes ahead with the proposal, his life would be completely different. He won't need to get on that boat, which means he won't end up in the island, which means he won't end up not entering the numbers that one occasion that cut, that, that brought the plane down. Now, the end will be that um, all the losties will be off the island because they won't ever have ended up there in the first place. The plane will reach Los Angeles without any incident. Uh, apparently, the producers have said that the, the end of Lost will be a bittersweet ending. And that, to me, is a bittersweet ending. All the losties are essentially rescued from their destiny on the island. But it does mean that Kate will go to prison. She might face the death penalty. Locke will still be in a wheelchair. Rose will die of cancer and so on. But the sweet ending will be that Desmond will have found his true love. Anyway, that's my theory on how Lost will end and a couple of other little tidbits from the latest episode. It's an interesting theory. I love Mark Hunter from Scotland. <laughs> it's an interesting theory. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love listening to his accent. You got to have him as the co-host one of these days. I should. I, I actually He's did get a- lost in his voice. He does. Have you? Uh, did you hear the? I'm sure you heard the uh, podcast answer man. I did. Uh, with oh a, yeah, that was that's that was a great interview. I I do enjoy. And talking I, with, I just love his show. Yeah, he does yeah. great job. I listened to the Mellow Monday show, the Mellow Monday show, uh, every Monday through Friday. <laughs> so and I, I, listening to him makes me think about what Ruth said. She said, "Well, it's a good thing it wasn't a shepherd, or you'd be off with the sheep making that, haggis." <laughs> <laughs> that, 
That was great. In fact, uh, we're going to play a clip from uh, Ruth because that's going to take us right into uh, this discussion of the mystery. That's Because she revealed a couple of things. I don't know if most people caught this. Uh, the actress that played uh, Ruth was Jana Bull. And I apologize if I've butchered her name. But anyway, uh, Desmond tells Ruth about his calling and about the man who was supposed he was supposed to follow. And this is what it sounded like. And this is, unfortunately, the clip I accidentally played earlier. So here we go. I felt like I owed you an explanation. Desmond, you can never begin to explain what you did. You just disappeared completely. I had a calling. I raised my eyes. And I asked, am I doing the right thing? And that's the last thing I remember. And when I woke up, I was lying on my back in the street. And I don't know how I got there. And there was this man standing over me, Ruth. And he reached out his hand and he said to me, can I help you, brother? And the first thing I noticed was the rope tied around his waist and... I looked at him and I knew, I knew I was supposed to go with him. Mark, did you hear the very interesting statement that um, Ruth spoke? Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I, I the first t- when I first watched the show, I didn't catch it, but it, but upon watching it again, and then of course hearing it right now, it's absolutely crystal clear. I mean, she says, "You just disappeared completely." It's like, well, when has that happened before? I mean, he's, if someone who's flashing back and flashing forward uh, through time would disappear completely, wouldn't he? <laughs> exactly. So I think that this is definitely going to tell us what's going to be involved in Desmond's next flashback. I believe that the next flashback, we are going to see more of the relationship between Desmond and Ruth, and we're going to see him flash back to that and actually flash away from that moment in time because he because the powers that be and I'm not talking about the producers of the show but the powers of this island is basically that okay we can't have him with Ruth because the plan is that we need to hook him up with Penelope because Penelope is how we're going to get him to the island so he just disappears completely and then he when he wakes up lying on his back this man says can i help you brother and he and and he says listen i knew i knew i was supposed to go with him is the him is the him brother campbell and do you notice do you notice that we do not get brother campbell's first name could brother campbell be brother jacob campbell <laughs> um i don't know I don't think so, but uh, I mean, you know, it's a possibility. But what I find interesting is the parallel with some other people that we've seen, of course, such as Juliet. I mean, who else had someone just mysteriously show up as an answer to a problem? Um, and she just went with him sort of on faith, you know, and the, I just knew I was supposed to go. Who was that that you she, said? Juliet. She oh. had a very similar experience with, uh, what is his name, the guy who recruited her? Um, Richard? Nestor, yeah, Richard. Nestor Carbonell's the actor. Um, but Richard just sort of shows up at random, you know, in her life, and it just seems to be the perfect solution to sort of, you know, deal with this issue that she's dealing with. And uh, it, it's, uh, you know, we've seen this before on the show. Right. 
Well, let me let me. I mean, now obviously, I've I've let the cat out of the bag. That you know, obviously, I think it's possible that well, and probable actually that Brother Campbell, whether he is or is not Jacob, uh, is definitely I feel connected to the bigger picture of Widmore Industries. Uh, obviously, there's a connection between the monastery and Mr. Widmore because Penelope is there to pick up the the wine. Well, and not only that, but it's obvious. He says, well, we only make X number of cases per year. It's obvious that this one client buys every single case. Exactly. And so there's a whole lot of connection there. And then there's this clip. God tests our faith in many ways. So, as you well know, we have our own test here. A vow of silence that lasts as long as we see fit. This challenges both one's patience and his faith. For some, it may last a week. Those we're less sure about, a month. Personally, Desmond, I never thought you'd last. And so now I stand corrected. For whatever reason, your path has led you here. And now you're one of us. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. Now, That's an interesting choice of words. Now you're one of us. Now, here's the thing. This is supposedly a man who has great insight and, and, and is discerning the will of God, if you will. And at this point, he's like, I, I was a skeptic. But you know what? You've made it. Now you're one of us. But he says, I'm certain... In you know, in in a later conversation, I'm certain it's not that you're a monk. There's bigger plans for you, but you're still one of us. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that I just when you when you pull these things all together, you can just see that there there's something going on. And of course, I can't tell you how many voicemails and emails that I've got regarding the photograph, and even Mark Hunter alluded to it. And if you go to gspn.tv/lost. <laughs> and go to uh, the most recent episode, episode 97, which is this episode, in the show notes, there is a photograph sitting on the desk, and it is the most horrid-looking Photoshopped photo that I've and, ever seen. And for that reason, I think that it, it's, there's got to be a story there. I mean, it, you know, they spent too much money on this show to have just accidentally thrown in a really poorly photo. I mean, they didn't let an intern do the, do the props this week. I mean, right. there's got to be a reason why it looks that way. So, so in the photo, we have Brother Campbell and Mrs. Hawking together in front of the monastery, which obviously... And, and Brother Campbell looks like it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a mugshot, by the way. It does. <laughs> but you, it, it's quite clear by looking at the photo that neither of them are literally standing in front of that monastery. The, the lighting is all off. Uh, the, the shadows on both of their fo- faces clearly indicate that both of the pictures of them have been taken at a different time and neither one at the same time that the background was taken. So yeah. there is definitely some mystery there. But there were more Easter eggs in this episode. Oh, and yeah. did you see that Lost, the, the creators of Lost, have got their hands on the very first generation <laughs> Apple satellite phone? Well, yeah, it's slightly different from the iPhone, but I think they absolutely use that interface. It, it is a clear 
use of the Apple iPhone interface. And if if you guys wouldn't mind, go to gspn.tv slash lost and look at this week's show notes. And I <laughs> there I didn't do this. Dark UFO did this. Uh, with darkufo.blogspot.com is where I found this. But he he pl- pasted a just a, a clear image right from Apple iTunes store uh, of the iPhone interface and put it right on the screenshot of the satellite satellite phone interface and the buttons, the icons, the whole deal. The fact that it's a yeah. t- the fact that it's touchscreen interface clearly clearly uh, borrowed from from our yeah. iTunes. Um, Bubba Coop in the chat room just typed in 2004 test version because remember this is three years ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that was their maybe that was their uh, initial. Um, uh, test version, as he says. <laughs> exactly. It, it's gotten a smaller form factor now. <laughs> so anyway, and then of course I'm gonna. Um, I, I I did go ahead and get a a picture of the Mariah Vineyards. I had to, I I thought for sure there would be something that uh, would be hidden in that, but I think just really the the fact that uh, Mariah Vineyards, the fact that it was Mount Mariah, which is the mount where Abraham and Isaac had gone. Well, actually, and the image actually does include uh, an illusion, a biblical illusion, because it's, you see that the, um, the image of the house upon the top of that hill, it looks like a, like it could be the temple. And there, in there, some biblical scholars uh, argue that Mount Moriah is also the spot upon which the temple was built. Ah, okay. Uh, in Jerusalem, um, there, there's debate about it, but that's that's one of the things that uh, that is interesting to note. Now, on the sides of the label, um, you see um, these little sort of four-sided flower type. Things it could be a cross also, uh, but of course it's it looks like it's slightly reminiscent of a Dharma type logo. It it does slightly re- uh, reminiscent is slightly reminiscent of that absolutely, and then of course I have a, a photograph of Catch Twenty Two, the book, uh, and of course we saw the book in the episode, but it was in Portuguese. Yeah, Ardil Twenty Two, exactly. And uh, so, anyway, just some interesting things there. Now, the Catch-22, why the title, Mark? Well, the Catch-22 is a novel by Joseph Heller um, that was this very, you know, one of the big works of the 20th century, which, you know, we use, now we use the term Catch-22 as an expression, meaning like you're sort of stuck uh, between two choices. And um, Joseph Heller sort of set up situations whereby like people were just literally in these impossible situations and it was to uh, reflect the absurdity of bureaucracy um, and uh, and governments and rules and regulations. I mean basically Catch-22 is a reg- as a self-defeating regulation. So one of the, I think they said that Catch-22 is something like uh, if if you were sane you couldn't you could you had to fly the mission but if you were deemed insane, you wouldn't have to fly the mission. But someone who flew it would have to be insane. You know, sort of like one of those crazy rules where, I mean, I'm sure that we can actually find the, the, the actual quotation without much much work. Sorry. I, oh, you're fine. <laughs> I, should have, I should have prepped for that. No problem. Um, so here, why don't, you, why don't you continue and I'll find the, the quotation from Catch-22. Well, while you're looking that up, that, that's going to pretty much wrap up all the notes that I have for this. So what we're getting ready to do is I'm going to go ahead and 
um, bring up the coming up on Lost, the preview of what's coming up next week after we finish this little bit of conversation. If anyone would like to chime in, we have uh, three people dialed in. We have approximately, I'd say, somewhere between 20 and 30 people in the chat room. Uh, If you guys want to dial in and you want to give your feedback on this episode, uh, feel free to do so. And then after uh, we we actually close out this show, uh, there will be a reason for s- folks who have joined us live and listened to this entire thing here on TalkShoe. Uh, what we are going to do, it, what I'm going to do is after I hit re- or the pause button, after we're done recording here, I have, let's see here, 21 voicemails that I'm going to play back to back, back to back at the end of this episode. So do... Do chime in, and a, and a lot of them saying Cliff was right, Stephanie was right, uh, and some of their reasons and thoughts of uh, why they felt Cliff and Steph- Cliff or Stephanie was right. And I, I especially like the one that says, Cliff and Stephanie, you were both right, and you were both wrong. And here's how, <laughs> here's why. So anyway. Which is, is interesting given the title of the of the. Uh, episode is Catch-22. It's all about this circular logic, about both being right and being wrong. So I actually found the, uh, the, the, the quotation. Uh, there was only one catch, and that was Catch-22, which specified that a concern for one's safety in the face of dangers that were real and immediate was the process of a rational mind. Or was crazy and could be grounded. All he had to do was ask, and as soon as he did, he would no longer be crazy and would have to fly more missions. Or would be crazy to fly more missions and sane if he didn't but if he was sane, he had to fly them. If he flew them, he was crazy and didn't have to. But if he didn't want to, he was sane and had to. Yossarian was moved very deeply by the absolute simplicity of this clause of Catch-22 and let out a respectful whistle. That's some catch, that Catch-22, he said. It's the best there is, Doc Danica agreed. <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. You gotta love the circular logic, you know. Right. <laughs> so you're both right and you're both wrong. Exactly. So that was an excellent episode. I I really enjoyed it. Overall, how did you feel about this episode compared to the rest? I you know I I'm not one to sort of I'm I see this whole thing as a grand story. I'm not necessarily like oh this episode was great or this episode was terrible. I'm willing to take what they give me as long as it fits in with the grand scheme of the of the story. Um, one thing that we didn't talk about, which I thought was hilarious, was this whole Superman Flash debate um, between Hurley and Charlie, and it's, it totally reminded me of the Superman Mighty Mouse debate in Stand by Me, uh, which was a similar story. You know, these kids going out on an on an adventure to go see a dead body. Do you remember that? Uh, I I don't remember that one. But the movie Stand By Me in the 80s. Oh, yes. Um, and they have this whole debate about who's stronger, Superman or Mighty Mouse. And yes. One guy's oh my God, don't be ridiculous. Mighty Mouse is a character and Superman is a real dude. <laughs> <laughs> Another funny thing that we didn't really bring up in the in the initial reaction, and, and just so folks know, we're going back to our normal initial reaction this coming week. Uh, so we will be coming in here during commercial breaks again. Uh, but anyway, a, a huge, a huge thing that I... Uh, thought was funny was the ghost story, the Korean ghost story, where, oh, where yeah. nobody had any clue of what was being said. But Hurley where's st- my golden all? <laughs> <laughs> but where? But Hurley still ju- screams. That was just awesome. Yeah, and then he says, he says, um, "Oh, I love the part about the bird. 
it was a bird, wasn't it? <laughs> and then he actually, I don't know if anyone caught this, but he actually starts saying, oh, do you know the story about the Chupacabra? Which I think is just, it's good writing because they're reminded that, uh, that Hurley is Mexican-American. You know, and the Chupacabra is a very, very big uh, legend story in, uh, in Mexican uh, culture. Awesome. It's a horror, like a horror story type thing. Sweet. Lost really is such stuff. a great show. Yeah, and, and it, you know what? Everyone likes marsh- marshmallows, <laughs> especially Hurley. <laughs> That's what that was his his like that, what he said when he got Jen. He said, "Yeah, everyone likes marshmallows." <laughs> that is awesome. So, uh, Mark, I want to say thank you very much for uh, joining me as co-host this week. It means a lot to me. I always enjoy uh, you coming into the shows uh, and interacting. Uh, in in any of the podcasts that you've participated in as a listener, but as a co-host, it, it's it's a real special treat, and I thank you for uh, taking your Friday evening and setting aside to uh, sit down and do the show with me. Right on. Well, thank you. And you know what? We're coming up on 108 minutes pretty soon. If we don't play every 108 minutes, this island's going to implode. <laughs> so here we go with <laughs> what's coming up next week on Lost, and we go to Bonnie Koval from Lost.About.com. This isn't what was supposed to happen. What's going to happen? supposed to happen. I know. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You know what? We're not going to find out. Don't you want to know? This is Lost Away Bonnie from lost.about.com with this week's Lost Preview. The next episode is called DOC and will be on this Wednesday at 10 p.m. on ABC. ABC synopsis reads, After discovering that all of the others' pregnant women died before giving birth on the island, an extremely reticent son allows Juliet to examine her and uncovers the identity of the unborn child's father. (gasps) Meanwhile, Desmond allows an unlikely nemesis to help save the life of a new, mysterious island inhabitant. My prediction is that this is going to be a great episode. It's going to be Superman. We'll get flashbacks from Sun and Jin and see again Sun's father and Jin's boss, Mr. Paik, and Jin's father, Mr. Kwan. Another returning character is Mikhail, the guy they found in the flame awesome. hatch who supposedly died when Locke pushed him into the security fence. Yeah, well, dead now, people show up a lot on this show. didn't die. I really don't know. But I find it suspicious that he is in this episode. Of be course, he could be in a flashback. Sort. And in fact, it's likely that he's in Sun's on-island flashbacks. I think so. But it's also possible that he is still alive. <sighs> How can Juliet tell who the baby daddy is? I'm guessing the only way to know for sure is if Sun has the same thing that afflicted other pregnant women on the island. If that's the case, Sun would have had to conceive on the island, therefore making the baby Jin's. Or Charlie's. As far as Desmond uh, letting an unlikely nemesis help save the woman who landed on the island, (laughs) I can't think of who that would be. Possibly Mikhail. Maybe Ben? I don't really have a good guess and can't wait for Wednesday. For more information, read my DOC guide and preview. This is Lost Away Bonnie Koval for lost.about.com. Alrighty, everybody. That is what's coming up next week. And oh my gosh, I am so excited for next week's episode of Lost. And, uh, well, that's pretty much all we have, everybody. Thank you for joining us live. Mark, thank you very much. We'll catch you soon. And, uh, Mark, thank you for everybody that just enjoys hearing your voice on our show. Can you tell everybody about your podcast real quick and how they can find it? Absolutely. I have several podcasts. I run the Culinary Podcast Network. I'm a chef, and we talk all about food. We have many, many shows on our feed. You can find it at culinarypodcastnetwork.com. 
And uh, my show, uh, my food show, primary show, is called the Remarkable Palate Podcast. And I run around the city. I interview chefs, purveyors, farmers, and uh, we, you know, we go to ev- food events and wine events. We talk about all things food, and uh, we explore it from a passionate perspective. And then I have a personal podcast called the Remarkably Mark Podcast, and it's all about my life outside the kitchen. And I run around town with Steva and. You know, I interview people who are in the theater and musicians and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, so those are my shows. You can find all of them at you know culinarypodcastnetwork.com or at remarkablymark.blogspot.com. Very cool, everybody. I encourage you to check out Mark and his podcasting. He's a good friend of mine, and I enjoy listening to him and uh, look forward to him being back many more times in the future in the co-host chair of various podcasts of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Until next time, everybody, stay lost. Hi, this is Larry in Tampa. Uh, I post under the name of Edit Wizard on the forum once in a while. Whenever I get a chance, I've been listening to you guys for a good while. Um, but first time caller, um, I'm responding to Cliff's um, poll about the uh, whether uh, Desmond jumped in front of the arrow. I don't think he did. I think he just uh, was going to try and uh, take care of Charlie no matter what. Um, but I saw the whole uh, Abraham Isaac thing as something more of maybe he's supposed to have faith in letting Charlie die. I wonder what you think about that, Uh, because um, maybe if something happens to Charlie and he dies, then that's going to trigger something else uh, to happen, either for Desmond or something on the island, or who knows. But um, maybe he doesn't have the faith to let Charlie, um, you know, be put in, in danger to actually die. Uh, so he's going to continue to to try and save him, and uh, that maybe becomes a problem, uh, just like the uh, woman told him when he had uh, was trying to buy, trying to buy the um, engagement ring. So that leads me to my second comment, which is uh, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but on the desk when Desmond says uh, goodbye to the monk and he sets the robe down on the desk, there's a really goofy picture there of the head monk and the woman from the uh, ring shop the jewelry, jewelry store from the last time that uh, Desmond had a flashback where she says, you know, you have to give me the ring back. You can't buy that. So uh, maybe take a look at that. But it looks like it was really Photoshopped in there. It's a really terrible composite. But it's that woman. She was also in the movie um, The Others. And she was also in the movie um, Waking Ned Divine. So uh, anyway, I kind of noticed her there in that little flash. So anyway, a couple of comments there. Uh, you guys are doing a great job. Uh, thanks a lot, and God bless. See ya. Hey guys, this is Rachel C.C. Lisi calling in again from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Just wanted to call in about this week's episode of Lost. I thought it was a great, great episode. Very interesting. Um, sorry to have to tell you this, little Cliff. I think you're wrong. I don't think uh, Desmond was actually diving in front of the arrow. He was diving at Charlie's abdomen or chest area to... Uh, push him out of the way. I don't think he was actually in danger of being struck himself. Um, another thing, actually, after listening to your initial reaction podcast, I was a little confused. Well, it sounded like uh, you guys were thinking or were assuming that Penelope was on the helicopter, too. 
Um, and I don't think that she was. I think that this woman was hired by Penelope to come and uh, try to find Desmond, but I don't think Penelope was actually on the helicopter. Uh, that was about all I had. Have a great show tonight. Oh, I do have one suggestion on how to get more people to speak up during the live show. Um, I would suggest that you play the audio clips in order of either how they happened on the show or play the island ones in order and the flashback ones in order just because it helps people know what's coming up next so they can kind of start thinking about what they want to say. That's all I have. And, uh, yep, I won't be, here, be there tonight for the live show. So uh, have a good one. And I hope some people talk up. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Rachel, thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and interject on this one audio comment. And the only reason why I believe that Penelope was on the helicopter is because of that book that came uh, down and inside the satchel of stuff with the satellite phone, there was the book with the other photo of Penelope and Desmond. So basically that tells me that that's probably not a photo that she would easily let go of. And I think that if she gave that photo to somebody to uh, give what Desmond looks like, I'm sure she would have had another photo that she could have used. But then again, she could have went to Walgreens, I guess, and made a copy. So who knows? We'll see. Hi, Cliff and Stephanie. This is Ryan from Idaho Falls. And I'm calling in to cast my vote. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Cliff on this one. After only after he explained himself, though. At first, I thought, no, that yeah, he he didn't he didn't call it. But when you explained how and you brought in the whole thing about the Abraham and Isaac sacrifice, that really made a lot of sense to me. So that's my vote. Thanks, guys, for your podcast. Bye. Hi, this is Brian from San Diego, California, and I have to agree with Stephanie that Desmond did not drop in front of the arrow because mainly because he was looking for Penny and he wouldn't have just risked his life to save Charlie and then end up having Penny on the island with Desmond dead because that really doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, sorry. Bye. Cliff called it. Hey, Cliff. Hey, Stephanie. This is Minister Kane from North Carolina. I'm going to try to make this as quick as I possibly can. Uh, I just got through listening to your initial podcast. And uh, Stephanie, I hate to, well, I don't hate to tell you, but I'm sorry to tell you I do agree with Cliff that Desmond did jump in front of the arrow. Although I disagree with you, Cliff, on on the analogy between the uh, between Abraham and Isaac, and in the fact that I think that if you look at the the story of Abraham and Isaac, Abraham truly trusted God in every aspect of his life. Abraham, when he when God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac, he knew that God would make a way, or else he wouldn't have gone up there to sacrifice Isaac. Uh, and if you look, you know, if you think about it, imagine your own son or daughter, and you you're you're going to sacrifice your own son or daughter. You're agonizing that whole trip there, but I, Abraham knew that Isaac would be spared because God would make a way. Um, I think that Desmond failed the test because I think that, you know, and I hate to, I don't like to compare, you know, the Word of God to, to this, to this, you know, show lost, but if you, if you look at, if you look at it, Desmond was taking, I, I mean, Desmond was taking, he had to take Charlie up there. 
like just like Abraham had to take Isaac up to sacrifice him. Desmond knew that I, I mean that uh, Charlie was going to be sacrificed, and he I, I truly feel like he in the sense of the show he failed the test because he jumped in front of the the arrow and that and that's what he did he he did jump in front of the arrow, um, so I think he failed the test whatever test it was. Uh, and that's where the comparison of the Abraham Isaac story came into. We also learned in this in this show we we learned a couple things. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but when Desmond and when the flashback scene, flashback scene when Desmond was talking to his brother Monk uh, when he was handing over his clothes and stuff like that. If you if you do a if you do a, uh, a scene by scene or capture by capture the uh, the, uh, the actual scene on the on that monk's desk is a picture of that monk, plus the old lady from the other Desmond-centric episode when the uh, the lady in the jewelry shop. Hey guys, it's Fred from Long Island. Just wanted to respond to um, your comments about the episode, lost episode, uh, Catch 22. Um, I've heard you guys and now the uh, Lost Community podcast commenting on the scene where Kate kind of barges in on uh, Sawyer and, and kind of, uh, you know, what they do. And um, you, you guys and also the Lost Community Podcast guys commented how unnecessary the scene was and obviously with Kate's uh, state of undress, etc. Um, and how the show doesn't need to resort to that sort of thing and all that. And, and you know uh, that I personally, I'm with you as far as uh, views on, on modesty and the no, you know not needing explicit scenes in TV shows to make them entertaining and all that. Um, obviously, I guess the first comment I can make is that the audience that Lost is directed to is not necessarily uh, in agreement with all of our views on that. So you, I guess you have to allow them some latitude there. Uh, the second point I wanted to make, though, is that they were trying to make the point that this was Kate's reaction to seeing Jack and Julia together, and no matter how explicit or not explicit they did it, I get the point. And I thought of something else too, in terms of the over-analytical lost viewer. The question we should all really be asking is that uh, after 80 days on the island, or how long it's been, uh, and ladies, maybe you can ask, answer this question for me: Would her undergarments still be in that condition after 80 days. Uh, well, I guess they had a washing machine in the hatch there for a while, but it seems to me like they'd be a little worn, more worn down. But maybe that's the magic of television for you. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys. I enjoy your podcast as always. Bye. Hey, guys. It's CC from Boston. And um, I had a couple of things from last night. Um, one observation and then uh, a little confirmation of a theory I have. First, uh, I don't think that it was a uh, helicopter, uh, a flight suit and everything. Um, I think that person was a, uh, was a pilot to a regular old plane, jet plane, um, the uh, little hula girl and everything. And uh, I think somebody made a comment like you don't eject from a helicopter. I think that uh, that whooshing noise was the plane in a... Uh, a horizontal spin, a flat spin. Um, get your comments on that. Um, and then the other thing is, um, if it's theory that goes with Jacob and, um, well, who Jacob could be, sort of. 
um, the guy in Australia that Rose went to see was Isaac. And he was channeling the mystical energies that were at his house or wherever that place was. And uh, he was healing people. And when Rose was there, uh, he told her that that wasn't the place for her, but there was some place else that had the energies that she needed. So the energies that she needed were obviously on the island because Rose got fixed, Locke got fixed, and Jin is no longer fixed. So there's obviously energies on the island. Well, Jacob seems to be ruling the island with the others, and if you look in uh, the Bible, um, Jacob is the son of Isaac. And Isaac was the son of Abraham. Abraham, um, as Desmond pointed out last night, was going to sacrifice Isaac for God uh, on Moriah Mountain, if I'm correct, uh, correctly pronouncing that. So, and, uh, and God said, uh, or the angel said that uh, Abraham's family would be blessed. So I'm wondering, uh, just a crazy religious theory here, I wonder if the Isaac in Australia, the Jacob on the island, um, the energies that they're harnessing are some sort of biblical twist of their followers or, uh, or followers in Jacob and believers in Isaac's case. Um, if they're blessed with uh, being healed because they believe. That's it. That's the podcast. Can't wait to hear from you guys this week. See ya. Hi, Cliff and Stephanie. This is Don from Cincinnati. I have listened to your podcast um, about last, and I think that uh, Stephanie's right and Cliff is totally wrong. <laughs> you asked for us to call in and tell you who we agreed with, and, and that's who I agree with. But I'm going to give you my take on this. That, um, it had nothing to do, he wasn't taking the arrow for Charlie, he wasn't even trying to take the arrow for Charlie. His dilemma was whether or not he was going to, um, he was going to kill Charlie off in order to get to Penny. Because if everything happened the way that he saw the vision, then he would find Penny at the end of it. So he knew that Charlie was going to die anyway, he saved him already a bunch of times, and I think he's getting kind of sick of it, and he just thought, well, I'll just let him die. And then I won't have to keep saving him anymore, and I can be with, with Penny. And, and that was his plan. But when it came right down to the wire, he couldn't do it. He did the right thing. He saved Charlie. I was like, go, Desmond. But he, had, he wasn't taking the, the arrow for him. He was just saving him, which changed everything. So that's not Penny that we got. I don't know who that was, but it wasn't Penny. <laughs> um, there you go. That's my, my opinion. Bye. Hi, Cliff. Hi, Stephanie. This is Rob from Baltimore. I think I got disconnected, so um, you can disregard my first one. Uh, I say, Cliff, you can't get the tally. Sorry. Um, I, I also thought that Desmond was going to jump in front of the arrow, but no, he just saved Charlie. And also, I could have sworn I saw Penelope, not just the picture, in Desmond's flash forward, but I can't be sure. I'll have to go back and check that out. Um, anyway, if that's the case, uh, I think history got changed when he did save Charlie. Like the podcast, carry on. Yes, this is Tyler Branch from California, and uh, Stephanie is absolutely right. Um, Desmond, well, you can see he's calculating. He looks, he looks at to see how far the distance is, and he is running bent over, and he tackled him. So that he knew that even if he didn't hit him, 
that uh, it wouldn't catch him. So I'm afraid that uh, Stephanie gets a tally, but maybe next time. Hello, this is Kim from Indiana. I'm about halfway through listening to your initial reactions this week, and uh, I am very sick, but I just had to get on the phone to call and tell Cliff that he's wrong. So Cliff, you're wrong. Desmond yelled at Charlie to duck. And when Charlie was going, what, 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 Desmond ran over, lunged for his abdomen, like Stephanie said, and forced him to duck. Hey, Cliff, Stephanie. Uh, this is Ron. I'm uh, just down the road from you guys in Louisville. And uh, I was calling to enter my vote about your uh, little disagreement that you had in episode 96 about uh, what Desmond was sacrificing. Uh, I don't know how much help it's going to be, but uh, I think that you're both right, and I, I think that you're both wrong. Um, I think that, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? I think that when you say that uh, Desmond is going to jump in front of the arrow, I think that uh, that definitely means that he's going to take the arrow and die instead of Charlie. So I agree with what Stephanie interpreted what uh, Cliff said. But uh, I guess when you take it literally, Desmond did jump in front of the arrow. So you could say that uh, Cliff was right in what he wrote. But... Uh, about what uh, what Desmond was sacrificing, I think that he was actually sacrificing his uh, knowledge that he was about to be reunited with Penny, uh, not necessarily Desmond's own life. Um, I think he saw that uh, the reunion happening only if he followed his visions exactly, which included Charlie dying, which is why he brought Charlie along in the first place. So... Um, they they had the discussions about how the uh, not following the visions would change the picture on the box. So uh, in their little uh, jigsaw puzzle analogy. So um, I think that at the last second, Desmond decided that Charlie's life was more important. So that's why he jumped in front of the arrow and sacrificed this uh, knowledge that he was about to be reunited with Penny and uh, kind of threw that into doubt. So uh, I was actually afraid that it was going to be Penny uh, dead in the tree at the end, but I was glad that it wasn't because now uh, a reunion with Penny is still possible. So just like in the Abraham story, uh, you know, he was asked to sacrifice the thing that he loved most in the world, but once he demonstrated that he was willing to do it, he didn't have to. So uh, a reunion with Penny is still possible. Hey, Cliff and Stephanie, this is Jamie from Hollister, California. Um, I'm definitely with Stephanie on this, um, this tally. Um, I totally think that Charlie was the sacrifice, and he couldn't, Desmond couldn't do it. So uh, anyway, bye. Hi, Cliff and Steph. This is Dan from Pennsylvania. I think you're both right, but Steph is more right. See, I do believe that Desmond risked his life to save Charlie, but risking his life wasn't quite sacrificing his life. He didn't put himself in the way of the arrow. He did go for the abdomen. You know, he uh, might have risked his life, but he didn't sacrifice his life. What he did sacrifice was possibly finding Penelope, because at the moment, 
he truly believed that Charlie had to die in order for him to find Penelope on the island. Since he saved Charlie's life because, you know, he couldn't let Charlie die, he couldn't live with, with letting him die, you know, he risked not finding Penelope. Um, so I think you're both right, but Steph is more right, and I love listening to you bicker on your podcast. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Down in West Virginia, Cliff, you called it. Hi, it's Sue from New Jersey. I'm calling to agree with you, Cliff. I do think you called it. The whole Isaac uh, sacrifice was reflected in Desmond's actions. Also, can you check uh, when he was speaking to the brother, do a screen capture? Um, there was a photo on the desk that I believe was the same woman who told him uh, about his higher purpose. The brother was telling him that he wasn't cut out to be a monk and that God had uh, other purposes for him. And uh, I believe there was a photo on the desk of the same woman who uh, first revealed to us the time travel aspect of the island uh, through Desmond. So if you could check on that. Love your podcast. Good luck with your dentistry, Steph. Uh, keep up the great work. Stay lost. Bye. Hey, Cliff and Stephanie. This is Mark in Los Angeles. I'm calling to tell you guys that I do think that Cliff called it. Desmond did jump in front of the arrow, risked his life to save Charlie, but I think you're also missing one thing. He also risked meeting up with Penny because in doing that, he changed the course of history. He changed the plan, and suddenly what was supposed to be Penny what turned out to be somebody else. That's all I got. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Cliff, you're totally wrong. Stephanie is totally right. Um, even, in fact, he said duck. Uh, Desmond said duck to Charlie. Um, I don't know why he would tell him to duck so he could stick his own neck out there. I think it was just duck in case he couldn't jump and uh, grab his abdomen and pull him down fast enough. Um, Stephanie's 100% right on this. Um, with the whole Abraham... Hi, Cliff. It's Phil from New York. Um, I think you misinterpreted the sacrifice that uh, Desmond was making. He, in fact, was making a sacrifice, and that was by possibly altering the course of events by saving Charlie's life. Um, he had said before that if he told anyone what was going to happen, that he would change the picture on the box. And by saving Charlie... He was sacrificing the potential of possibly seeing Penelope, the love of his life. That was the sacrifice. Hi, this is Makari Q in Olympia, Washington. And I am calling to say I kind of give a tally to Cliff. And the reason for that is because the sacrifice that Desmond was making wasn't his own life. It was the opportunity to see Penelope again. So he was willing to sacrifice that opportunity. Charlie wasn't the sacrifice, and his own life wasn't the sacrifice. It was the opportunity to be reunited with his one true love. He has sacrificed that, but as Abraham was rewarded for his willingness to sacrifice his only son, the one that he had waited for all those years when he was, you know, the not Abram yet Aham or whatever that meant, you know, whatever. Anyways, um, that sacrifice is going to lead him to be able to have Penelope after all. Anyways. So that's it. Sorry, rambled a bit there. Um, good show. Bye.
Internet talk show. Check it out at T A L K S H O E dot com.